This is the World in Brief from the Economist. Our top stories. Emmanuel Macron, the French president, promised delegates at the United Nations annual climate summit that the war in Ukraine and the energy crisis it triggered will not mean his country slacks on its climate commitments. Speaking at COP27 in Egypt, Mr. Macron also said trust between rich countries and poor ones is being eroded and called for, quote, financial solidarity. Greece's government said it would ban the sale of spyware after a newspaper reported that ministers and business people had been surveilled by the state via malware on their phones. A government spokesman said the report in Documento was, quote, unfounded and denied buying spyware. Officials from European Parliament were already investigating whether Greece's ruling party illegally snooped on politicians and a journalist. The Ethiopian government and Tigrayan forces met in Kenya for talks on implementing a truce, agreed last Wednesday, which has brought a ceasefire to a bloody, nearly three-year-long conflict. The two sides have set up a telephone hotline, reportedly in order to coordinate disengagement from fighting. Hundreds of thousands of people are believed to have died in the war. Millions more have been displaced. Ryanair, an Irish airline, posted a post-tax profit of 1.37 billion euros, or 1.36 billion dollars, in the six months to the end of September, a record for the first half of its financial year. The airline, Europe's biggest by passengers carried, expects demand to remain strong as customers switch from more expensive rivals. Several airlines are seeing high ticket sales despite soaring inflation. Meta is expected to announce thousands of redundancies this week, according to a report by the Wall Street Journal. They will be the first large-scale layoffs since Facebook was launched 18 years ago. Meanwhile, Twitter has asked some sacked workers to return after cutting half its staff last week. Apparently, dozens were laid off accidentally. American tech has already shed more than 45,000 jobs this year. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, warned that Russia was planning, quote, mass attacks on his country's infrastructure. He said more than 4.5 million Ukrainians are already without power. The mayor of Kyiv told residents they should make contingency plans to leave in case the capital loses power. Meanwhile, Russian-installed officials in Kherson in southern Ukraine said the city had lost electricity and water because of, quote, sabotage. China's exports fell for the first time in two years as the country's businesses struggle with a global economic slowdown and the government's zero-COVID policy. Exports contracted by 0.3 percent year-on-year in October. Analysts had expected growth of 4.3 percent. Shrinking exports will increase the strain on an economy already hit by a property sector slump and weak consumer demand. And fact of the day, 60 percent. The share of the 828 million people who do not get enough food who also live in countries racked by conflict. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. America's Midterm Election Day On Tuesday, Americans go to the polls, or to be more precise, finish going to the polls. More than 40 million voters have cast early ballots in the midterms, pointing to the continuation of a trend of record-high turnout in American elections. 
After seesawing for months, most pundits now predict a good night for Republicans. They are expected to win the majority in the House and are favored to do so in the Senate. Though Democrats are buoyed by support for abortion rights, they are burdened by inflation, crime, an unpopular president, and a historical pattern that the party holding the White House loses ground in midterms. Even if the Democrats do better than expected, many Republican candidates have refused to commit to honoring the results should they lose, following the example of Donald Trump in 2020. A political cliché that the only poll that matters is on Election Day may be put to the test. India and Russia's Mutual Admiration Subramaniam Jeshankar, India's foreign minister, will meet Sergei Lavrov, his Russian counterpart, in Moscow on Tuesday. The atmosphere will be cordial. Trade between the two countries has soared and is set to exceed $30 billion next year, two years before the target set for it to do so. India is now one of the main buyers of Russian oil, which is under sanctions from the West. It is also one of the best customers for Russian weapons. In September, after months of silence, Narendra Modi, India's prime minister, finally commented on President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Quote, this is not an era of war, he said, adding that, quote, democracy, diplomacy, and dialogue were needed instead. But despite claiming to be, quote, deeply disturbed, India has repeatedly refused to vote on any United Nations resolution condemning the war. In return, Mr. Putin has praised Mr. Modi as a, quote, great patriot and lauded his ability, quote, to pursue independent foreign policy. Blockbuster meme stocks have a difficult next act. AMC, the world's largest cinema chain, will report its quarterly results on Tuesday. In 2020, lockdowns shutting cinemas tanked the company's revenues by nearly 80%, bringing it close to bankruptcy. In 2021, its fortunes shifted with the meme stock frenzy, as retail investors stampeded into the market to squeeze professional short sellers targeting beloved companies. Between January and June 2021, its share price rose from just above $2 to $61, a rally egged on by Adam Aaron, AMC's iconoclastic boss on social media. The hype is now fizzling out. Shares are trading below $6. Revenues have been recovering, but analysts expect it to remain below 2019 levels this year and next as cinema attendance remains depressed. Viewers can now often watch new films at home. AMC's problems will be further exacerbated by a lack of blockbuster releases between now and Christmas. Investors, spooked by the collapse of Cineworld, a rival company in September, are now eyeing AMC with more concern. Financial Fault Lines at COP27 On Tuesday, Gaston Brown, the Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda, will address COP27, the United Nations annual climate summit currently taking place in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. Speaking on behalf of the Alliance of Small Island States, a group of countries that has the most to lose from rising temperatures and sea levels, Mr. Brown is expected to focus on their dire need for more cash to cope. Arguments over money will be at the heart of this year's conference. Rich countries have long promised to provide poor ones with $100 billion in climate finance a year by 2020, a goal which has still not been met.
Poor countries have increasingly been calling for, quote, loss and damage funding to help them offset the damage they have already incurred as a result of climate change. For the first time, the topic is on the formal agenda, after heated arguments about it delayed the start of the summit by hours. But large economies like America hate the idea, and any serious resolution remains unlikely. How HBO Changed Television Fifty years ago, on Tuesday, HBO broadcast its first program, a hockey match. The television network's early offering combined live sport with uncensored films. As a paid-for cable channel, it was not subject to the same government restrictions on content as broadcast television, nor did it have to please advertisers. Capitalizing on this freedom, HBO started developing original dramas, creations often reveled in violence, sex, and swearing. Quote, it's not TV, it's HBO, proclaimed a famous slogan first used in 1996. The network soon became a television trendsetter. Hit gangster drama The Sopranos created a zest for antiheroes, something subsequently copied by AMC, the network, not the cinema company, with shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Game of Thrones, HBO's most successful drama, which scooped up 59 Emmy Awards during its eight-season run, fueled appetite for fantasy. With high production values and demanding narratives, the network changed viewers' expectations of television and paved the way for companies like Netflix. Those streamers are now HBO's main competition. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday, Go Set a Watchman was the second published novel of which famous author? Monday, which rock star recorded his first single under the name Davy Jones with the King Bees? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Kazu Ishiguru, who was born on this day in 1954. There was another life I might have had, but I am having this one. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. <laughs>